Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So as we've reported on and talked about how the Democratic Party pushed this $3.5 trillion infrastructure package, which wasn't infrastructure and it was nothing more than a wish list of Bernie Sanders' priorities, which were a reduction from his $6 trillion wish list. The amount of green that was in there, supposed green, Green New Deal things, I should say, which is, is, is really about ideological fantasy. I mean, it was, it was a tremendous number of things. But one of the larger conversations that seems to uh, elude the political right is an engagement of a conversation about climate from a perspective of do we hate ourselves and if no well then how do we still take a look at things and analyze data tony katz tony katz today it's good to be with you facebook tony katz radio the phone number 833 got tony 833-468-8669 we can either be people who say no none of this is happening at all or we can be people who say, well, here's the data that shows that what you're making the claim of political left isn't actually the fact. Here is the fact, though. No, here's something we could do, or you could not worry about it, but here's something we do, but we don't have to do this radical thing that you're doing. You will find that if you can give people a, a counterproposal with data, they, they may very well be interested in it. But as you have seen from the political left, how dare you have a counterproposal? So we're engaged in two parts of the conversation here. Number one, the valuelessness of just saying, oh, that's nothing. No, it could very well be something. But how is that something dealt with? That's the question. Why not have the data to be able to deal with it and then watch how certain sides like the political left say you're not allowed to disagree? Oh, the 97% of the scientists agree. Like that even is a thing. Like that's a thing. The other scientists who disagrees, they're all of a sudden just valueless. Or are they engaged in a conversation that these other scientists just refuse to listen to? Just like we see so much of the media apparatchik, so much of the political apparatchik refuse to listen to. What if there were some people who favored climate socialism and other people who favored climate realism? The Heartland Institute uh, are friends of this show. I dig what they do and the conversations they have and how they have them, even if I don't always agree with what it is they're talking about. James Taylor is the president of the Heartland uh, Institute since March of uh, 2020, former managing editor of Environment and Climate News, wrote a regular column over at Forbes and at Forbes.com. You've seen him everywhere. He's been on this show repeatedly. And, and this weekend, I was actually supposed to be there, can't make it. It's this 14th International Conference on Climate Change but it is about this thing, climate realism versus climate socialism. So I think before we, we, we get started, let's let's start with the basics. Are are you making a case for anthropogenic or, or man-made global warming? Well, we're making a case for climate realism. By the way, thank you for having me on your show, uh, Tony. I love to be here. We're making a case for climate realism. The notion that temperatures have been rising during the past century, that's not in dispute. Uh, the question of whether humans are contributing to it, I will say that it's likely that humans are, and many so-called deniers do. 
The real issue, the real debate is, are we facing a climate crisis? If temperatures are warming, yet we're still cooler than temperatures that have predominated throughout most of human civilization, how is that a global warming crisis? If humans are contributing to that warming, does it matter if we are not facing record temperatures and if we are not facing the negative consequences that they predicted? So, for example, did you know, do your listeners know that this year the Australian government, the Australian Institute of Marine Science documented that there is more coral in the Great Barrier Reef than they have ever recorded. You hear the exact opposite in the media on that and so many other topics. At our climate conference this upcoming week, live in Las Vegas, we'll be, uh, we'll be live streaming it on the Internet. You will hear that type of information with the scientific data backing it up. The media try to hide it from you. Not only do they try to hide it from you, they tell falsehoods. They twist it on their head and say the Great Barrier Reef is dying when there's never been more reef, never been more corals in the Great Barrier Reef ever recorded. So now we're into a, you know, a, a place, I think, for some people to, to hear you say that. It's like, wait, 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 wait. So we're saying these things are possible. We're always saying these things are possible. Just prove it to us. We're, you're asking a different question in this conversation about climate realism. Is it the end of times? Because it seems very much so that Bernie Sanders or Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the others, they have decided that because of a rising temperature, we must somehow live in a regressive way. You say that's not necessary. Right, absolutely. And, and I'll give you another example. We hear in the western United States there have been many wildfires recently. By the way, a primary reason for that is we do not manage our forests in the western United States the way we used to. These are government-owned lands in which they have a policy now of just don't do anything to either thin the forest. to uh, they, They've let roads that used to be uh, giving uh, firefighters access to wilderness fires. They've let those go into disrepair, et cetera. We know NASA satellites have been measuring the global area of land that's been burned by wildfires. NASA satellites have been measuring that since the 1990s. Guess what? The satellite, NASA satellites tell us that the land burned by wildfires has declined by 24 percent, and yet you don't hear that. You hear alarmism from Bernie Sanders and others. What, what is at the heart of this is that, as the theme of our climate conference shows, it is the Great Reset, climate socialism versus climate realism. Folks who would like to have larger government control in our lives, subjugating American uh, integrity to the United Nations – are using climate change as a Trojan horse to allow the internationalists, the statists, the leftists to take over our freedoms and our lives. Talking to James Taylor, he is the president of the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. I, like you, would, would say if you can lay out for me a data point, we can then discuss what it is we want to do about it. But as we have seen and as you're talking about, uh, the Ocasio-Cortez set, the Green New Deal set, they are very desperate to use this for ideological purposes as opposed to rational purposes. Last time you were on the show, it's been a little while, you said the following because it, it stuck with me. When you take a look at the Green New Deal, it says that they want to reduce carbon to the extent uh, technologically feasible. And when you engage the idea that the, the event, you know, something technologically feasible, you're saying you want to eliminate 
all carbon. You're not saying lower carbon to help with X, Y, or Z. You're saying eliminate plows in the farms and in the fields that prevent us from growing food. This is the type of radicalism that we're talking about from the left and that you with the Heartland Institute and Heartland this event this weekend in Vegas are, are what, hoping to blunt? Absolutely. And let me tell you about their environmental heartlessness in their desire for socialism. Look, there, it is not a coincidence that the first topic that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez brought forward was the Green New Deal. What she is about is socialism, plain and simple, not just socialism, Marxism. She brought in the Green New Deal as a way to implement that. Indeed, her own uh, uh, campaign manager, chief of staff, I'm sorry, uh, stated in an interview with the Washington Post, I believe it might have been the Times, he said, oh, you thought this is about the environment? We view it as a how-do-you-change-all-society kind of thing. That is why you have them looking for climate change as their, as their big messaging point, because I think everyone's concerned about the environment. Let's get them on board the Green New Deal, and we implement socialism. But here's how environmentally heartless they are. If we were to replace our conventional energy that we generate now for electricity, just for electricity, we're not even talking electrifying vehicles, which they want to do also. If we replace all of our electricity right now with wind turbines, according to scientists at Harvard University who studied this and who believe in the climate crisis, what they report is we would have to cover literally one-third of the American landmass with wind turbines. Think about the environmental destruction and devastation. Think about the, uh, the wildlife that would be killed as we have to level forests and, and carpet open plains with wind turbines. They don't care about the environment because that's about the worst environmental consequence you can think of. What they care about is having some messaging and mechanism for their own ideological desire to bring in socialism. It is the 14th International Conference on Climate Change, and it is a conversation of climate realism versus climate socialism. You can find it at heartland.org, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, heartland.org. James Taylor, I always appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Producer Ari, what are we doing? A Navy nuclear engineer tried to pass secrets to our enemies. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Jonathan Tobe, T-O-E-B-B-E, arrested in West Virginia, along with his wife, Diana. Put a removable memory card at a prearranged dead drop according to the Justice Department. So where was this going? Who was this going to? That's the, that's the question. But some people have noticed that they, they took a picture of the front of this, the, this person's home, right? You're talking about a Navy nuclear engineer trying to sell secrets to an undercover FBI agent. And the Facebook account of... of uh, the, 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 the wife uh, is filled with talking points of Black Lives Matter and feminism. The house has a Black Lives Matter sign outside of it. I want to make sure that we are focused folk. 
selling uh, secrets. It's possible that you can be uh, on the political left and not want to sell secrets to a foreign enemy or a domestic enemy. Just so we're clear. It's very possible. However, if we don't admit, if we do not admit that Black Lives Matter as an organization is a Marxist organization that has an absolutely radical and dangerous methodology to it, and that anybody in these top secret kind of fields who associates with Black Lives Matter should be looked at again. If we don't understand that that's important, well, we don't understand much. Now, let me tie this in to a story that I've had that I haven't even had a chance to get to regarding the FBI, where the FBI creates critical race theory programs to teach agents how to deconstruct their identities. If I were president of the United States, I would completely remake the FBI from top to bottom, and I would take away their guns. The FBI was supposed to investigate. Why did we give them guns? Why did we turn these lawyers into cops? Haven't we figured out they can't do the job? So why don't we change their focus back to one that's investigatory? And that's it. No critical race theory teaching. If you're General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and you tell me you're reading about critical race theory, you know what I say? Like I said, oh, okay. Okay. You're, you're reading about it. You want to know what it is? Fine by me. But if you start instituting it, teaching it, then we've got a real problem. The FBI has a real problem. Because teaching critical race theory and teaching agents to deconstruct their, uh, their identities, well, that's nonsense. And it's nonsense because we have to teach FBI agents how to do their damn job. And if you don't want to take my word for it, let's take the word of every female gymnast who is a member of U.S. Women's Gymnastics. Now tell me the FBI doesn't have to be taught how to do their damn job. And I know I'm going to have field agents angry with me. I know I'm going to walk down the street and someone's going to give me a dirty look. I know that's coming. Sorry. From stem to stern. Is that the expression? Top to bottom. Better. All of it. Christopher Ray can't be trusted. What James Comey did to the FBI is an abomination. This is unserious times. These are serious times and these are unserious people. These people are absolutely, positively unserious. And that has to be dealt with. And it has to be dealt with accordingly. So when we go back to this to this story of, of of selling secrets. Sorry, what you do on social media and where you connect it, we we should be looking at that. Our job and the oath of office that 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 our elected officials take is to protect the United States from uh, from uh, enemies without and within, all enemies, foreign and domestic. These are domestic enemies.
You're trying to sell secrets or a domestic enemy. Who you're connected with matters greatly because that sets the ideology, therefore plants the idea in your head. And we should be clear that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization and athletes who support it are wrong, politicians who support it are wrong, artists who support it are wrong, business leaders who support it are wrong, your neighbors who support it are wrong. They're wrong. Recognizing something that can happen to a black friend or a black person recognizing that racism exists, being black yourself and having experienced things, all real. I, I, I say nothing else but real. The organization is a Marxist organization, and support of it is wrong always. Supporting people, solid. As we've often discussed on this show, show me where the system is that creates or implements bigotry, and I'll help you rip it out by the root. Happy to, because chances are it's screwing me over as well. Because if it's screwing you over, it's screwing society over, and I can't have that. See, equality of opportunity, I'm all about. And that's what these things do. They rip away at equality of opportunity. So I'm in favor of removing anything you can find. It's hard for people to kind of separate these things. I don't know why it's so hard. We'll keep our eye on who these uh, this couple is and what they've done. Meanwhile, what is going on with the airlines? Leland Vittert has the story and the latest scheduled to be with us next. I'm Tony Katz. Was it weather or was it something else that caused Southwest Airlines to cancel all those flights? It certainly seems like it was something else. It certainly seems like it was a mandate. You tell the pilots, you tell the flight attendants that they have to get vaccinated, and they said, nah, maybe we don't. Maybe we're good here. And the next thing you know, you've got hundreds, then thousands of flights that were canceled. You've got members of Congress like Chip Roy saying, eat it, Southwest, for engaging these mandates. And it's not just Southwest. They're expecting this may come from American Airlines. Pilots there are not happy with the idea of mandates. Amtrak noted two trains just yesterday that were canceled due to, and I'm quoting, unforeseen crew issues. Well, as it was being reported by Southwest, or as people were reporting what Southwest said, that it was air traffic control issues and disruptive weather causing the issue, some other people caught a story. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Leland Vittert joins us right now from News Nation Now. He's the host of On Balance with Leland Vittert, weeknights at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. And it was Leland, longtime uh, member of the show here, saying that airline sources say a mass sick-out from the FAA News Center in Jacksonville may have caused ripple effects mostly affecting Southwest Airlines. Leland, you were the first person to bring some fact to counteract what Southwest was saying. So was your reporting correct, or is, is Southwest correct in saying that the reason we see all these cancellations was weather? Well, uh I just always let people decide what makes most sense. 
Uh, nice to be back with you, Tony. Hope you had a good weekend. You, you check, just look at what the weather was around the country this weekend. In fairness, on Friday night, there was weather in Florida. And the other thing that happened in Florida is what is called Jacksonville Center. There also happens to be one in Indianapolis that controls air traffic going south to north and north to south through Florida uh, shut down unexpectedly um, and therefore closed much of that airspace. The FAA put out a statement saying it was due to unforeseen staffing issues. When pushed and pushed and pushed to elaborate on what unforeseen staffing issues were, they declined to elaborate. I have independent reporting from my sources that it had to do with the vaccine mandate. Then you had woke up on Saturday morning, and that's when the mass cancellations at Southwest began. What is overarching all of this is this weird kind of kabuki dance by both the Southwest Pilots Union and the airline. Because if the union engages or any employee engages in a strike or a sick out to protest working conditions, they're in violation of the Labor Relations Act, of the Railroad Labor Relations Act of 1926. So no one can admit or even question what this really might be. That's why you have the union say this isn't a sick out. That's why you have the airline saying it's not a sick out. But one just has to look and say, is anything Southwest saying making any sense that on Sunday you're canceling a quarter of your flights because of weather that was in Florida on Friday? And, oh, by the way, no other airline is having problems. I don't know. As NewsNationNow.com is uh, reporting, uh, according to uh, FlightAware, that website providing real-time flight insights, uh, the carrier, uh, Southwest, canceled 347 flights just today, delaying another 303, one could assume. That's not also because of of weather but this sick out conversation is is an interesting one because if no one's willing to say anything that indeed is, in and itself is saying something so if you are are trying to decipher what the the pilots union is saying and what the airline is saying what what is the take on what they're trying to say to each other and to america well that's an interesting com- conversation I have talked to Southwest Airlines captains, um, senior senior captains, who speak about the stress that the employees are under and the stress that is being created in the airline. Because remember, if you're sick, you call out sick because you're stressed and you haven't been able to sleep and you don't feel safe to fly. That's different than calling out in protest, isn't it? Yeah, I would argue it, it is. Right. You can call out because you haven't been able to sleep and you're stressed and you – are not feeling well. You can't call out in protest, though. But if you are sick and stressed out and can't sleep because of all the stress that you are under because of the vaccine mandate, are you protesting the mandate or are you stressed? And this is the weird kabuki dance that's going on right now. But suffice it to say, I have yet to talk to any member of Southwest Airlines. Um, Obviously, I'm protecting their identities because they'd get fired for speaking to the media out of turn. But I can tell you, I haven't talked to any of them who are thrilled about the vaccine mandate and go, oh, yeah, everything at Southwest is great. The companies run so well. Management and the employees work, get along so well. Just look at all our canceled flights. It's because of weather. Not one.
talking to Leland Vittert of News Nation now on balance with Leland Vittert. You can catch that weekdays at 7 p.m. 6 Central. Now we know that American Airlines is looking at this as well. The pilots were, were told to get vaccinated or or you're going to get fired. That goes back a little more than, than a week ago. And we're hearing they could be next. Does this send now the White House into a rethink? When Secretary Pete Buttigieg, uh, Secretary of Transportation, was asked about it, this on, on Morning Joe there on MSNBC, his quote is, Obviously, it's an incredibly complicated situation and that his department, quote, held roundtables bringing together everyone connected with the ports because not only are we seeing problems uh, with with airlines and, and that travel, we're seeing problems with ports like Long Beach, Los Angeles, the ninth largest port in the world. We've got cargo ships getting things in. You're there in the Chicago area. You're talking about a lot of product that moves uh, through the area and things just aren't coming. They're not getting unloaded. Don't have uh, the people. These are uh, transportation nightmare things. Can this from the airlines, from these uh, pilots unions or others, as unofficial as it may be, can this pressure the White House into changing their mandate point of view? Well, Secretary Pete uh, suddenly has a little bit more complicated job than he thought he was going to have when he left South Bend, Indiana. He was just going to ride bikes, man. He was going to ride bikes through the streets of D.C. and everything was going to be great. Yeah, no, it was going to be fantastic. And remember, like, we were going to have a quality of bus routes. That was a big thing that he was going to tackle. Um, right. And now the nation's airline system is shutting down. Oh, there's a lot of different things going on here. But I just want you to keep one thing in mind, which is December 8th, which is the deadline for Southwest and American Airlines. Uh, Southwest, uh, 40% of their pilots are unvaccinated. Um, you might remember that uh, United kept saying, oh, you know, we had our mandate and only a couple of hundred people were on leave and everything is great out of however many tens of thousands they employ. That's not going to be the case with that, with Southwest. So you're going to have American and you're going to have Southwest going up against this December 8th deadline. Uh, lots of lots of things happen around December 8th. One's called Christmas and one's called Thanksgiving, which are the two busiest travel times of the year for, for vacation travelers and for personal travel. Uh, and it shows you just how fragile the U.S. airline system is um, in the sense that if you think about Southwest canceled a quarter of their flights, well, a quarter of the pilots didn't have to call out sick to make that happen. You know, you can, you can, only, you can have a, a very small amount of pilots call out or dispatchers or whatever group it is. And it throws the entire system into chaos. That's true for American. That's true for Southwest. And it would appear as though we are in for a very, very bumpy ride. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the people who you're ta- I'm talking to and who you're talking to are talking about this being part of the uh, a response to the vaccine mandate. The the pushback, you know, would be. Uh, well, people who want the vaccine mandate to be a political issue are pushing this narrative. But so far, I have yet to hear from rank and file that that they're upset over this this narrative, if that makes any sense. You know, the, the company can't wait to say, oh, it's not about the vaccine mandate. And the union has to say it's not about the vaccine mandate. But when you do real reporting on it, those two things don't square. 
So, yeah, so the, you're arguing, I shouldn't say arguing, lack of a better word, that the Southwest Airlines employee doesn't mind if this ends up being a conversation amongst the general public about vaccine mandates. Correct. And I think it's really interesting just from a process standpoint and having covered a zillion of these stories in the past uh, that it's not like you've got the head of the union and the head of Southwest walking out together to do a press conference or doing the Today Show this morning and saying this is not about the vaccine mandate. The union and the airline are in lockstep. This is what happened, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, when you ask them, you know, they say, oh, no, no, it's, it's, there's, there was no sick out. And you go, okay, great. So tell me how many pilots called out sick on last Friday, this Friday, last Saturday, this Saturday, last Sunday, this Sunday. Uh, th- those are internal numbers. We can't give them to you. Okay. And that's I, I would argue that that's all because this isn't a – there's nothing normal labor about this. This isn't a money conversation. This is a – leave us alone, let us live our lives, how dare you conversation. Those are those are eggshells that, that these guys are dancing on. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a conversation that we're going to have to start having in America. And look, I, we're, we're doing this segment tonight and expanding it out, as you rightly did, Tony. What's next? And I'll tell you what's next, which is we're going to be talking about uh, trucking. You know, there's already a shortage of truckers in America, and I've got a bunch of trucking companies that say once the vaccine mandate hits, these guys are leaving. Yep. No, no, look, uh, uh, from, a, from a purely anecdotal side, Leland, talking to Leland Vittert of News Nation, now uh, catch his show on balance with Leland Vittert every Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. You and I have known each other uh, a good long while since your days at Fox and doing a lot of TV and, and, and radio together. We America is underplaying the labor shortage issue uh, in ways that I can't fully um, explain on air. Every every sector, every segment is having an issue, and the level of compounding issues when we talk about ports not being uh, the the cargo ships not being able to get into port, those ships not being able to get unloaded, that load not being able to get on the trucks, that truck not being able to get uh, to the local store or to the distribution center, though no one there to be able to unload the truck from the distribution center, it really doesn't seem to have a way, a plan, and maybe you're hearing differently of working itself out until it works itself out, and that's a frightening proposition. It's a terrifying proposition when you think about um, just how, you know, we, and we saw, for example, with the Colonial Pipeline, how quickly, you know, was it two or three days and there was not gas in the northeast part of the United States? Right. You know, so the, the, the logistics centers in sort of the supply chains that have been set up across America work on really tight tolerances. And this is sort of getting into Nerdville, which is where I love to live. Um, but you you just you just tweak things a little bit. Look, we we saw it this weekend. Okay, normally there's like twenty flights a day that are canceled, not two thousand. Okay, so you just have a few pilots call out sick or something mysteriously happen, like a little bit of weather on Friday night. Hmm, okay, and suddenly you know hundreds of thousands of Americans have all their travel plans ruined. Okay, and no one saw this coming. Nobody. What's the next thing we're not seeing coming? Maybe maybe it's the nine maybe it's the nine one one system. Maybe it is 
maybe it's uh, food distribution. You, know, you have a couple. You have a couple of big uh, food distribution centers go offline. You don't. You don't have a. There's not a lot of time for these things to to work out before they start really affecting people's life. It is, I think, amazing to a lot of people. Um... And I think a lot of us have seen it, especially as we uh, took a look at COVID and where our drugs come from, not where they're created, but where they're manufactured. It doesn't take much to mess up the whole system. Leland Vittert is his name. Find him on Twitter at Leland Vittert. On balance with Leland Vittert at News Nation Now, newsnationnow.com. The show, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, every Monday through Friday. Leland, always a pleasure, my friend. Much more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So the woke just keep on woking. DC Comics has announced uh, that Superman is bisexual. I thought it was his kid who was bisexual. Is it the kid? Well, here it says that Superman is bisexual, but he does look younger, so it could be the kid. Could be a super kid is bisexual. I don't know. They're just they're just super woke, man. They're just they're just all over it. I don't oh, think I care. Today's National Coming Out Day. That's why they did it. I don't think I care. I just thought it was Superman, and I'm like, here's a man taking Lois Lane's job. Is that not? That's good. I like. Is that, that not it? Is that not, is that not the acceptable take? Comics will do whatever they want to do. You'll do whatever you want to do in your business. It means zero to me. But it's possible it's forced, guys. It's possible it's forced. Wouldn't the right maneuver have been to create new characters? You could have left these characters, these characters. You could have introduced new characters that are of all different uh, varieties. Because I don't care about the variety. If you told me that Black Widow was a lesbian, I wouldn't care. It wouldn't mean anything to me. If you told me uh, that Iron Man was gay, it wouldn't mean anything to me. If Flash was bisexual, it wouldn't mean anything to me. Is, is the show any good? Does it fit or is it forced? That's the question. That's the only thing. Does it fit the character? Does it, does it, does it tell a story? Does it, does it move the story forward? If not, then I don't care. As long as it doesn't get in the way of the story, it means zero. People put way too much on this stuff. And then they want to ram it down the throats of other people, which is where people go, could you just leave me alone? It's Superman. Just leave it be. Create something else. Do whatever you want with it. What You got to do this? This is how you're going to prove yourself? It's weird. But angry, bitter people are going to do angry, bitter things. Hey, I don't have any power over DC. They do what they will. They can't make a movie worth a damn. So they might as well try and get some attention here. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. That is where it's at. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz Today.